I'll go home as a beggar and ever be your wife. He kissed her and hugged. Hi, I'm Mary. And I'm Katie. And this is The Housewife Did It. True crime edition. So, I'm going to be telling Katie a story today. Um, I'm just like a little tangent, I guess, before we start. Um, I feel like we take our notes for these stories very differently. Mm -hmm. Like, I write them like they're a full, like, New York Times article. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've just always, like, loved writing. And so, that's kind of just how I do it anyway. Um, But... So with this one, I'm going to start with, like, some rhetorical questions, a little bit of setting the scene for you, like, a full, like, picture it, Sicily, you know? Mm -hmm. That's how we're going to start so that you can be in the right mindset. Okay. I also, before we get started, do want to um, offer a content warning. Um, There will be discussion of substance abuse in this case, and there will be heavy discussion of suicidal ideation. So if you are not in the place to hear that maybe come back next week Mm -hmm. um because it will be something that we discuss a lot okay all right ready yes all right have you ever seen someone with bright fiery red hair and striking blue green eyes walk past you on the street what about a wide shining smile or a half sleeve of huge dark tattoos have you ever come across someone with all of those features at once They'd be hard to miss, right? Mm -hmm. So, how does someone like that essentially disappear from the face of the earth, never to be seen or heard from again? That's exactly what happened to Bryce Les Pisa, a young college student who seemed to physically stick out like a sore thumb, but had a charisma that naturally pulled others in and made him a friend to everyone he met. Here's his story. Bryce Las Pisa was born on April 30th, 1994, to Karen and Michael Las Pisa. Bryce was an only child growing up in Springfield, Illinois. After graduating from Naperville Central High School, Bryce and his parents moved to Laguna Niguel, California in Orange County. Soon after, Bryce began classes at Sierra College, where he was studying graphic and industrial design, hoping for a future career in art. He was living with a roommate in an apartment in Chico, California. Okay. While studying for school, just 90 miles north of Sacramento, and it was about eight and a half hours north of his parents' new home in Laguna Niguel. It was in California, but it was still pretty far. Um, during his first year at Sierra in a college, Bryce like really seemed to peak. He and his roommate Sean became very close very quickly. He had started a new relationship with another student named Kim. His grades were amazing. And so the summer after his freshman year of college, all he talked about was going back to school. Um, He wanted to get back to the life he had been curating for himself the past year. He was talking about it nonstop. And he was finally able to go back to school two weeks before classes started for his sophomore year. So at the start of Bryce's sophomore year, there was a staunch difference in his behavior and his habits from the year before, and his friends were beginning to worry about it. He had begun taking the ADHD medication Vyvanse recreationally. He did not have a prescription for it. 
and he was mixing it with very heavy drinking. Um, one of the other podcasts I listened to about this, they said, like, if sophomores in college are saying that your drinking is heavy, then it is very heavy. Because mm-hmm. all of his friends, like, they, they drink, like, all the time, um, from what I've heard. But they were, like, really concerned with how much he was drinking. So his roommate and his girlfriend said that his behavior was erratic and that he was showing signs of depression. They tried to talk to him about how he was feeling and confront him with their concerns about substance abuse, but he was just continuously reassured them he was fine. He was like, it's really not a big deal. I don't think it's that much drinking. Like, everyone's taking my vans right now. Like, it's fine. However, everything would come to a head on the day that classes started, August 27th, 2013, and it would become clear that Bryce was not fine at all. On August 27th, Bryce was taking Vyvanse and drinking to stay awake. By the 28th, so the next day, he had been awake for two to three days straight. Bryce's roommate, Sean, calls Bryce's mom, Karen, to let her know that he's worried about Bryce. And again, this is like a 19-year-old boy who's like so worried about his friend Mm -hmm. that he is calling his mom good friend yeah and probably having to in some way admit to also like underage drinking and things Mm -hmm. but he's like so worried about bryce that that's what he does he has never reached out to bryce's mom like this before Mm. so she's immediately worried um sean's primary concerns are the substance abuse and how much bryce has been staying up lately But he's also starting to see signs that Bryce may be having suicidal ideations because Bryce just gave Sean his Xbox and a pair of diamond earrings that he had gotten as a gift from his mother. Mm. So his mom's worried. Yeah, Bryce calls her. Yeah. So Bryce calls her at 1 p.m. And he tells her he's going to break up with his girlfriend of about a year, Kim. Okay. Which surprises his mom because she said... Bryce was, like, absolutely head over heels in love with Kim. She, like, did not see this coming at all, that he would want to break up with her. So she was surprised, but he said, like, that's what he wanted to do, and so she was like, okay. At 2 p.m., Bryce texts Sean and says, I love you, bro, seriously. You are the best person I've ever met. You saved my soul. Sean replies, this is his roommate. Yeah. Sean replies, I love you too, man. You have an amazing life full of love and blessings. Don't waste that. You have too many people who love you, Bryce. That's a good response. I know. Sweet. He was, like, really worried about him. Yeah. Then Bryce texts Kim, his girlfriend, and texts her and tells her that they are breaking up because she would be better off without him. Now, given that they are in a Mm long-term loving relationship... Kim was like, okay, we should probably have, like, a discussion about this. Like, I like, I don't know why you feel that way. I don't feel like I'd be better off without you. We've been together for a year. Like, let's talk about this. So Bryce makes his way to her house, which is actually about 90 miles away from his apartment with Sean. Okay. It was a pretty far drive. Yeah. So she goes to his house, and when he gets there, he, like, reconfirms to her, like, we are breaking up. Okay. Um... And she, like, 
senses that something is off with him. I think she's been in contact with Sean, so she's aware that he's been drinking and taking drugs, and she's, like, not wanting him to drive 90 miles back to his apartment that night. Right. Good call. Yeah. So she takes his keys from him, and she tells him, like, I don't care if we're broken up. Like, you can't drive back. At 11.30 p.m., Bryce gets upset and calls his mom, and he tells her that Kim will not let him leave because she's mad he broke up with her. Okay. So then Kim gets on the phone and tells Karen, Bryce's mom, that that is not the reason she wants him to stay. It doesn't have anything to do with her being mad at him or their breakup, but that he is under the influence of something, Mm -hmm. and she doesn't think it's safe. Karen tells Kim that he seemed fine to her when they were talking on the phone and that he just wants to go home and go to bed. So she convinces Kim to give Bryce's keys back. Okay. Karen and Bryce get back on the phone and she tells him that she'd like to fly to Chico to see him because she's worried about him. And he tells her not to purchase a plane ticket yet because he has a lot to tell her. And so she agrees to wait and talk to him later. Okay. At 1 a.m., Bryce calls Karen again and tells her he's heading home and should be back by early morning. Okay? Okay. So, now we're... This is where the crazy stuff starts happening. At 11 a.m. Do you remember? He left... At 1. Kim's at 1 a.m. At 11 a.m., Karen gets a call from her car insurance to let her know that Bryce's car received roadside assistance at 9 a.m. that morning... In a town called Buttonwillow. Ah. Yes. Does that not sound like it's in Tennessee? Yeah. It does. Um, keep in mind, it should have taken him about two hours to get home from Kim's house. Mm-hmm. He received this roadside assistance nine hours after last speaking with his mother. Mm-hmm. And Buttonwillow, the town that he is in, is five hours past his apartment. Okay. Is it toward so, anything else? Is it, like, toward his parents? It is toward his parents' house, okay. yes. But they had not talked about him going to his parents' right. house, but it's believed that that's what he was doing. Okay. So, um, Karen attempts to call Bryce, but he doesn't answer. So she calls Sean, the roommate, to make sure Bryce was back at the apartment. She obviously wasn't. Yeah. And... Yeah. Sean tells her that Bryce never made it home. Mm-hmm. At 12 p.m., his parents check his credit card statements and see that there's a charge to their bank account for gas at a place called Castro Tire and Truck that's in Buttonwillow. Okay. So Karen calls that this place. purchase was at 12 or they just found it at 12? They saw it at 12. Okay. So I don't really know, like how it plays into the roadside assistance thing, but the purchase was made at 9. Okay. So just mm-hmm. confirming just that he was well. in that area. Yeah. So, Karen calls the place where Bryce got gas and gets in touch with the owner named Christian. Christian's going to play a really big part in this. Okay. Um, Christian tells her he definitely saw Bryce and that he had delivered three gallons of gas to him at 9 a.m., Christian, who is truly sent to the Lost Pieces directly by God. I don't like this. Offered to go double check where he had last seen Bryce. Okay. And lo and behold, Bryce was still there. Okay. What? Which means 
which means he was sitting in his car in this like blink and you miss it town for at least three hours that okay. we know of. Okay. Um, because he delivered the gas at nine. It's now noon. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so Christian talks to Bryce and he's like, "You need to get in touch with your parents. They're worried sick about you. What the heck are you doing?" Yeah. Um. So Bryce gets on the phone and tells his mom that he's just gonna head to their house and that he should be there around three thirty. And so is that is that fair? Like, is that how far he is? Yeah, the okay. Button Willow is about three hours from Laguna Niguel. Okay. So he hands the phone back to Christian. Christian watches him drive off, hangs up with the Las Pizzas, and heads back to his shop. Wow, okay. At around 6 p.m., oh! Bryce has not made it back to his parents' house, making him about three hours late. Mm-hmm. At this time, his parents file a missing persons report and have AT&T do an emergency ping on Bryce's cell phone. It is located in a hotel parking lot in Buttonwillow. Okay. Eight miles from where Christian saw him drive off. Okay. Meaning that now he has been in this town for nine hours. Mm-hmm. So the police head that way. They find Bryce sitting in his car. They say he looks totally lucid. He seems fine. They don't think he's under the influence of anything. Mm-hmm. They ask him what he's doing, and he says he's just blowing off steam and waiting to meet a friend. The police give him a sobriety test, which he passes, and then suggest he call his parents. Yeah. And when they say this, Bryce does not want to call his parents. Okay. It's- he is extremely reluctant doesn't seem to me like he's under the influence, but it does seem that he is unwell. Yeah. Um, someone wanting to sit in their car in an unknown town for nine yeah. hours. Even if you gave him a sobriety test, is something not clicking? Like, why are you here? Mm-hmm. Um, he is so reluctant to call his parents that finally the police call them themselves yeah. and just put Bryce on the phone with them. <clears throat> Karen says, like, what are you doing? And he says... I'm putting things back in my car because the police just searched it. That's not. She's like, that's she obviously meant, not baby. what I freaking meant. <laughs> She's like, no. What are you doing in this town? Yeah, still for nine hours, mm-hmm. and they like talk, and finally he's like, "Fine, I'll just get back on the road and I'll head your way." Okay, girl, Good. stay on Great. the phone with his ass. <laughs> At 8 p.m., mm-hmm. Christian is driving home from work no. when he sees Bryce's 2003 Toyota Highlander pulled over on the side of the road in Buttonwillow. Okay. Christian calls Karen and says Bryce is still in this godforsaken town. And he's like, I just don't think this is a good situation. Like, I'm worried, too. I don't yeah. even know you people, and I'm worried. So... Girl, I would have been Christian. like, stay your ass there. I'm coming. Yeah. Christian offers to follow Bryce to the freeway. Okay. And make sure that he actually gets onto his exit and is on the way home. Okay. Karen's like, oh my gosh, that would be great. Thank you. So he watches Bryce exit and then tells Karen that Bryce is on his way. He turns around and heads home. At 2.09 a.m. on August 30th, Bryce calls Karen 
and lets her know that he's too tired to continue driving since he's been awake for at least 72 hours at this point, possibly 96 hours, depending on different accounts from Bryce's friends at school. So Karen's like, that's fine. Find a place to stop and rest until you're ready to get back on the road. She also asks him to identify landmarks around him so that she knows where he is. Um, So he does, and then he tells her he's pulling over at a rest stop to take a nap. Okay. This strikes me as odd because, again, Button Willow is supposed to only be three hours from Laguna Niguel. Mm -hmm. So if if we saw him get on the exit at 8, Mm -hmm. why is he calling you at 2 Mm a.m. and being like, I'm too tired to keep driving? Yeah, I mean... Shouldn't he have been home by, like, midnight? Yeah, I mean, he's probably, maybe he's just already at the rest stop and was like, oh shit, I should probably call her. (laughs) But he should have been home, I think, by I know, but I'm saying maybe he just got right back off the freeway, went somewhere, and then was like, oh fuck, it's two, like, I should probably call her. Or, the other thing I was going to say is, like, his unwellness could just Mm -hmm. be delusional lack of sleep at this yeah. point and so like he may not know that it's been four hours he may have gotten right back off the freeway and it doesn't feel like it's been you for know. sure this is also the point in the story where many many people begin to mom shame bryce's parents for not just taking their asses to button willow themselves yeah but then you risk like what if he does start driving toward you you know yeah there's a like There are a lot of things, there are very few things I have seen on this case where people are not pissed at his parents. Yeah. It's kind of like the general consensus that, like, everyone in in the world would have done the opposite of what his parents did. Yeah. And I, I don't know why they did what they did, but whatever. Yeah. I'm so far feeling like I would have done things differently, but. Yes. Uh, whatever. Yeah. So, at 8 a.m., The Los Pizas finally hear Bryce knocking at the door. So they run to answer it. Except when they open the door, it isn't Bryce. It's police coming to let Karen and Michael know that their Toyota Highlander was found wrecked and abandoned at Castaic Lake, which is one hour from Buttonwillow and two hours from Laguna Niguel. Immediately, a search begins for Bryce... Cameras directed at the lake show Bryce going uphill in his Highlander at 2.15 a.m., four minutes after telling his mom he was at a rest stop. Mm. His car appears on the video again at 4.29 a.m. and then doesn't appear again. Okay. When police find it, it is overturned with the back window busted out and with Bryce's laptop, wallet, cell phone, and an empty duffel bag inside. Hmm, okay. Tests run on the car indicate that Bryce's car was accelerating when it drove off the cliff at Castaic Lake. The police bring in bloodhounds to track Bryce's scent. They follow a trail to Castaic Lake, across the dam, and stop at a truck stop. Based Mm -hmm. on their investigation, it seems like this may have been the last place Bryce was. In the early morning of August 30th in 2013 when he vanished and was never seen again. Mm -hmm. Divers were brought in to search the lake but found nothing. A few days later on September 4th, charred remains were found near Castaic Lake but were proven not to be Bryce's. Mm -hmm. 
In 2017, a skull found off of Templin Highway was also ruled out as belonging to Bryce. Given that neither Bryce nor any remains have been found, the case remains open, but the police identify him as a voluntarily missing person. Mm, Okay. His parents are continuously hopeful that they will one day be reunited with Bryce, but they live with a lot of pain and a lot of questions. His mom reports, I'll never give up hope, but it's really difficult. It's gut-wrenching, every day not knowing. It's a living nightmare. Yeah. I feel like you can't ignore that there is there are signs that like this would be voluntary on his part, um, and this reads as a suicide attempt. Um, but like, given that this driving off a cliff did not like, if it had resulted in his death, he would have been found mm-hmm. in the car. Um, <clears throat> so then it's like, was it a failed attempt and so then he gets out of the car and takes his clothes and goes somewhere else yeah and then but then also, i was just thinking that the duffel bag was empty the whole time oh like like he was like oh yeah i'm coming and just threw a bunch of shit in his car with no intention of actually going to his parents' house. Yeah, because then Sean is- or whoever saw him leave would see him leave with a double duffel bag, mm-hmm. which would make, like, if people, or Kim or whoever, like, someone would be yeah. like, oh, he's going somewhere. Okay, maybe. But, I mean, is that, like, your, I know we're not there yet, but, like, is that, like, a fair theory that, like, that this the purpose of the crash was attempted suicide but then it didn't happen that way so he gets up and goes somewhere else okay um i also the one thing that like when i first heard this case i like always tell people this is like one of my favorite cases to like theorize about because it's just so like crazy to me like he was in that town for so long and nobody came there but like i think what always like stood out to me was his car appearing twice on the video two hours apart Mm -hmm. like and so i don't know if he was the one driving the car the second time Mm. or like what happened with the car and that's like always like stood out to me or as being what happened yeah but like you think that someone else was driving the car the second time it's possible or um, it's like you're about to attempt suicide and you're thinking a lot about it. So like But for two hours and you sat there for two hours and then came back to try again. Well he sat in the town for nine hours. He could have been thinking about it the whole time. Jesus. And he's probably thinking about it the whole time if he has an empty duffel like if that's what is happening and he did take an empty duffel bag and never intended to go home, then every time he said I'm coming home, he was just buying time and then was like, but yeah. I gotta figure out something to do, you know? Yeah. But then does the back window being busted, like, was they that... Think he maybe crawled out of it. That's what I was gonna say. Was that the only way out? Yeah, the the idea is that maybe that's how he got out of the car. Okay. Especially because they said that there was, like, a little bit of blood found there. Mm-hmm. Maybe he, like, kicked his way out. I don't know. There are a lot of theories. Yeah. About what may have happened to Bryce. 
As far as I know, none of these theories have been verified by the police in any way. So they are completely speculative. Okay. Um, but we're going to get into five possibilities. Okay. Of what may have happened to Bryce. I'm going to start with like the most simple <laughs> and then work our way into the batshit crazy ones. Okay. Okay. So first up is the accident theory. Okay. Some people believe that when Bryce crashed his car, he got a head injury, which may have caused various different accidents. Um, maybe he was unwell after hitting his head and fell into the lake or walked out into the woods and was attacked by wild animals. Maybe he made it out of the woods and just doesn't remember who he is. Um, the problem with this theory is that, one, he's never been found in the lake or in the surrounding areas. And two, that there was very minimal blood found in the overturned vehicle. So it seems unlikely that would he, that he would have sustained such a bad head injury that he doesn't know who he is. For a long, like, but it never comes back. Walking through the lake, yeah. And, or not made it out of the woods or whatever. If the head injury wasn't that bad. The woods, I feel like, is more possible because even with yeah. a slight concussion on top of 96 hours of no sleep and possible uh vivance use like you Mm -hmm. could be so disoriented that you like do whatever but the idea that like he would not remember who he is and it would never come back to him in 10 years he's never heard his own story and looked himself up yeah like Okay, but also like, people were like, well, I don't think he would have been attacked by animals because there's no remains that have been found. But I think that that's kind of the idea of the attacked by animals theory is that they can that's take why remains far. Found him. Yeah. Yes. Um. So the next theory is that Bryce completed suicide at this time. Um. In the days leading up to his disappearance. He was giving away his valuables and burning bridges with people, which is often a side of suicidal ideation. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people believe that Bryce intentionally crashed his car and that maybe when the crash ended up not being that bad, he got out of his car and walked into the lake with the intention of drowning. However, again, never been found in the lake or that area. And... With a suicide, it's likely that he would have been more visible afterwards. Like, somebody said, like, he can't have completed suicide and then gotten up and hit his own body. Yeah, right, right. Like, he would have been a little more out in the open. Others believe that Bryce did make it out of the woods, but then completed suicide at a later date in a more secluded location. Okay. I think that's Um, possible. I do too. The next theory I have is that Bryce did a full Gone Girl Mm. and intentionally disappeared so that he could live off the grid. This seems to be the most commonly accepted theory of what happened to Bryce. Okay. Um, Normally, this is not what people think happened in these kinds of cases, but with Bryce's case, this seems to be what people really think happened to him because Mm -hmm. it could explain why he's never been found um it also falls in line with a potential mental break that could have come from substance abuse and sleep deprivation in the two weeks leading up to his disappearance 
As I mentioned earlier, when Bloodhound searched the area for Bryce's scent, it trailed off at a truck stop near Castaic Lake. Mm. Some people believe that Bryce may have walked to that truck stop after the crash and hitchhiked his way into a new life. Others believe that the cryptic message that Bryce gave his mom about needing to tell her something before she flew out to visit him was that he wanted to come home and come out as gay to his parents. People link that to the sudden breakup with Kim and Bryce giving away his things to Sean, assuming that the conversation wasn't going to go well with Karen and Michael and that maybe he wasn't going to come back to school or something. Okay. Others believe, um, in line with this theory, that the reason his scent trailed off at a truck stop is because maybe he was cruising there and got a ride home out of Buttonwillow that way. Especially because he told the police that he was waiting on a friend. Define cruising for me. Cruising is, like, the idea of, like, going somewhere to find, like, a one-time sex partner. Okay. So, like, at a truck stop. Right. Somebody driving, a like, a truck. You right. won't see them again, probably. Right, yeah. Okay. Um, so, and people say that, like, truck stops are, like, popular cruising locations for that reason. So, that's why people thought that. There is, like, nothing I can find that, other than those, like, few things I mentioned that imply that that was what was happening. Mm-hmm. It's just something that people thought. Yeah. I feel like I like the Gone Girl theory, mm-hmm. given, given like, his behavior and lies to his mm-hmm. mom. And, like, oh, yeah, I'm coming. Oh, yeah, I'm coming. Oh, yeah, I'm coming. I feel like that is possible. At the same time, though, I I don't know. To me, like, someone who has been awake that long and showing the signs that he's showing would, like, once they get sleep or get well, would, like, not stick with that. Like, this just seems like a decision that he would not have stuck with for ten years. Um, mm-hmm. Like, if he woke up, would be like, why am I doing this? Like... You know yeah. what I mean? Unless, like, this gay theory that he, like, knew his parents wouldn't take it well. Like, unless that is true. But mm-hmm. this doesn't feel like a cognizant choice. Like, this doesn't yeah. feel like something that he, like, rationally decided and would stick with that decision. So, on the <clears> surface, <throat> I like that. I think that that makes sense that mm-hmm. he could have left and started his own life. But I also think that within a week or so, he would have been like, why am I doing this? Yeah. I think you're going to like it more. Okay. In a second. Um, Another reason this theory is popular is because people who knew Bryce in high school have begun to come out of the woodwork to imply there was an extremely rough relationship between Bryce and his parents. Okay. So I'm going to read you a post that was shared on Reddit by somebody who claimed to personally know Bryce and his family. Okay. Um, It's kind of lengthy, so bear with me. Okay. It reads, quote, Something of an insider here. I can say with certainty that there were issues between Bryce and his family. While Bryce's mother, Karen, is an unrepentant psycho, I am told that Bryce had a tight, borderline, codependent relationship with her in the years leading up to his disappearance. But not much is known about their relationship in the final year or so. His relationship with his father, Mike, was at times very tumultuous as Mike would lose his temper, yell, and scream at Bryce over things as trivial as not understanding how to complete his math homework. Hmm. I don't know if their relationship was ever physically violent, but there was most definitely 
a lot of verbal emotional abuse going on in that household and not just with Bryce. The latter part of Bryce's teen years were marred by a few incidents, such as getting busted with MDMA, as well as a lot of underage drinking issues that have gone largely unreported, all of which served to soil his familial ties. As I understand, Bryce was well on his way to becoming a teenage alcoholic. He was apparently known for taking booze to high school and spending some school days maintaining a desired level of intoxication. It's very safe to assume that this behavior continued to spiral out, evidenced by his taste for Adderall and other prescriptions, and he suffered a psychotic break from it, evidenced by his friends calling his mother with their concerns. It must have been some pretty disturbing behavior in order for kids, who all use drugs recreationally, to contact their friends' parents with concerns about his mental state. When Bryce left home to attend community college, he did not do so by his own motivation. Karen and Mike shopped around for what school he would attend, gave him no decision in the matter, and shipped him out when the school year began. The decision was in part based on the availability of dormitories as they wanted Bryce out of the house as soon as possible, which seems in keeping of what I know to be true of their parenting. Hmm. They sent him to Sierra College in Rockland, California, which is a 460-mile drive from his parents' home in Laguna Niguel. Mike and Karen were both very controlling parents, the type that foster harsh, rebellious behavior from their kids. They sought to control every aspect of his life and used their money to do so. Bryce owned literally nothing of his own and was frequently reminded of it when he stepped out of line. To me, his actions were a great big fuck you to his manipulative, controlling, abusive parents. What better way to let them know you're done than by intentionally wrecking their car and leaving behind all the accoutrements they paid for with their money and leveraged as a means of control? The time he spent in that small rural town was most likely waiting on someone to give him a ride. I believe the big story he wanted to tell his family was that he would be dropping out of school and moving elsewhere. I believe he wanted to say it to their faces, but chickened out and decided he was just going to move on. I believe his family knows this and have used the media, his friends, and so on to wage a pressure campaign against him. I believe the police have encountered him at some point and have respected a request for silence, thus leading them to their conclusion that he is voluntarily missing. End quote. So if these claims are true, maybe he did have a psychotic break or want to upend his current life. It would also make sense that he would feel the need to hide something like if he was gay or struggling with substance abuse. Um, But I want to know what you think. Do you think that this person legitimately knows Bryce's family in any way? I don't know. I mean, like, what I was going to say is that, like, if... Like, I don't know, my instinct is like, whoa, that's a lot of helpful information that does Mm -hmm. make sense in what we do know. Like, it does make sense in the context that we have, but, I mean, they would know the same information as us, so, like, they could form a story around that. So, I don't know, I mean, because I don't know anything about this person, but if true, then, yeah, I mean, and also, I think another part of that might not be that he was going to tell his mom anything. It may be that he was just like, please don't drive here. Like, yeah. or don't get a flight here. Because she was saying, I'm going to, I'm just going to book a flight. So he may have never planned to tell her. And was just mm-hmm. like, oh, don't do that. I'm going to, I have something to tell you. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. 
I think it would be absolutely insane if someone completely made this up. Right. I saw other people on the thread agree that they think this is, like, a legitimate person that even, like, maybe didn't know Bryce personally. But I, I think that they claimed that they were, like, had mutual friends. And so they had heard these stories about him mm-hmm. when he was in high school. And people on the thread seemed to really believe it. Also, people were saying um, that in interviews with his parents, that they just seem very, like, cold and, like, distant from it all. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know how I would react in that situation. So, like, right. I don't know enough to say if they're acting cold or not. I do think they seem pretty calm. Yeah. But I think that there's also a lot of feelings that they could have. One, like I said, there are very few situations where I hear someone talk about this case and they don't completely bash his parents for their behavior. Mm -hmm. And so, like, maybe they feel a little bit guilty. Maybe they feel, like, nervous talking about it because they know that that's people's reaction. Yeah. Um, Maybe they're kind of, like, mad at him for the way he was acting leading up to that. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Why they act the way that they do, but people seem to think that this person is telling the truth and that maybe their behavior aligns with what they're saying about them as parents. Um, however, it's not. this would not be the first time somebody has made something like that up. Yeah. To, like, infiltrate a case in some way. Like, I don't know. You know, like, there are people who call in tips that are not real and, like, yeah. send fake, like, hostage letters and stuff. And so... It's not totally out there to believe someone made it up, but a lot of people do believe that thread. Yeah, and I think halfway through the post, it becomes theorizing even on their part. So, But I mean, I think it is very possible that, and, and honestly probable, that these were not parents that he felt he could go to about whatever it was so all right so my last theory is pretty out there Mm. um but i think it's at least worth mentioning if nothing else then at least for the tinfoil hat folks Mm. because it's kind of wild it's also one that i've kind of personally spiraled on but not one that i've seen widely speculated on um this is kind of like my theory I don't know if I think this is true, but I think that we should at least talk about the similarities in these things. Okay. So, on October 25th, 2021, Crime Junkie released a podcast episode entitled Missing Young Men from Their Cars. Okay. About the mysterious disappearances of Daniel Robinson, Jason Landry, and Brandon Swanson which took place between 2008 and 2021. Um, the similarities between these cases and that of Bryce Las Pisa are pretty eerie yeah, and lend themselves to a possibility that this phenomenon of young college-aged men going missing directly from their cars may be somehow connected. So let's go over the details of some of those cases and see if we can see the parallels. So on December 13th, 2020, 21-year-old college student Jason Landry was heading home for Christmas break. Jason loaded up his car at Texas State University and began the drive home for the holidays. 
Early the next morning, Jason's parents received a call from a state trooper letting them know that Jason's car was found abandoned on Salt Flat Road near Luling in Caldwell County. The car was found with Jason's backpack, clothing, and narcotics. Okay. Police believe Jason may have been under the influence of drugs, especially because the clothing Jason had been wearing, it wasn't found in his car. It was found near his car and was, like, strewn across the road. Okay. Like, almost like he had been, like, peeling off one layer while he was running, kind of. Like, okay. just all in different places, like, kind of in a line going away from his car. Additionally, his underwear was found with blood on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much they just said it was. Police noted that the placement of the clothes looked staged. Mm. Like, not like they had naturally been dropped there. Okay. Activity on Jason's cell phone showed that he had been using the Waze app to map his way home to Missouri City, but closed it to open Snapchat shortly before the location where his car was found. Snapchat sent by Jason implied that he may have been smoking marijuana at the time he disappeared, but after that, his cell phone activity stopped. Why, why does it indicate that he was smoking? He, like, take a video of himself? I think he said he was. Oh, okay. Um, I think they just said, like, the pictures and the messages he sent on Snapchat, I think either he had taken pictures of it or said okay. that he was, but I think that they were trying, like, maybe trying to leave room for, like, maybe he was just kidding. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't think they could prove, because, I mean, they haven't found him, so they don't know exactly. His cell phone activity stopped after he sent those Snapchats. It's reported that little was done to preserve the scene of the accident and that Jason's car was not properly processed for DNA evidence. Neither Jason nor any of his remains have ever been found. Jason's case is very reminiscent of a case that happened just six months later when 24-year-old Daniel Robinson disappeared from his Jeep as he was leaving a work site. A co-worker saw Daniel drive away from the geologist's site in Buckeye, Arizona on June 23, 2021. On July 19th, Daniel's Jeep was found turned over, turned over near Sun Valley Parkway and Cactus Road in a ravine. The car was discovered by a rancher who owned the property the ravine was located on. The airbags were deployed, and it was clear that the driver's seatbelt had been in use before the crash. Inside the car, investigators found Daniel's cell phone, wallet, keys, and his clothes. Interesting. So this is the second guy in six months who's gone missing from their car, evidently naked. Mm-hmm. In late July, a skull was found, but DNA quickly determined that it did not belong to Daniel. A second set of remains was found in November, but they were determined not to be Daniel as well. Some people believe he was dealing with some mental health concerns, as he had recently met a woman and had been quickly rejected by her because he was making her uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But his friends and family said that he really hadn't taken it that hard, so they didn't think it was like some, they didn't think it was like Bryce's situation where he had this big mental health break and like ran away from his life because this woman didn't like him. Um, but he has also never been found. So, the last of these cases 
in my opinion, the one that is most similar to Bryce's case is that of Brandon Swanson. The other cases I don't really think are that similar to Bryce other than like the cars being abandoned and them never having been found. But they bear some similarities to this case. Okay. And I think that this case bears a lot of similarities to Bryce's case. Okay. So, on May 14th, 2008, this was before Bryce. Okay. The other two were after. Um, Brandon Swanson was driving home from an end-of-year party at Minnesota West Community and Technical College's Canby campus. At around 2 a.m., Brandon calls his parents to let them know he had driven his Chevy Lumina into a ditch and was trying unsuccessfully to get it back onto the road. Hmm, okay. He assured them that he was not injured, but that he would need them to come pick him up. He told them that based on the lights he saw, he believed he was in Lind, which is a small town about seven miles from Marshall, Minnesota, where his parents lived. And so he, like... He was like, I think, he's like not far from his parents' house. He's like, I think this is where I am. Can y'all come here and get me? So, the Swansons, normal parents, Mm -hmm. jumped in their truck and drove out to where they thought Brandon was. They stayed on the phone with him the entire drive, making sure to call him back and stay in touch if the call dropped. And the town that they were going to, Lind, was a very small town with no street lights. He had seen lights from, like, buildings, mm. but there were no street lights. Okay. So, as they said, like, I think we're getting closer, Brandon starts flashing his headlights to get their attention, but they told him that they weren't seeing him. Okay. And he was like, I don't see y'all either. So... Eventually, Brandon decided he was going to walk toward the building lights he had seen earlier. And as he was walking, he asked his dad to drive to a local bar they knew of inland and wait for him there. 47 minutes into their phone call, Brandon yelled, Oh, shit. And then his end of the line went silent. No. Did it hang up or it just... No. It just went silent. His parents hung up. Because they thought maybe that, like, something was wrong with the call. Mm. So they hung up. They were going to try to call again. Okay. They tried to call him back. He did not answer the phone, and he has not been heard from since. Oh, no. Yeah. The Lind Police Department searched the entire town. Remember, this is a small town. Mm -hmm. They searched the whole town and couldn't find any trace of Brandon in or around the area. So they looked at his cell phone records that showed he had actually been calling his parents from Taunton, which is 25 miles from Lind, and is on the side closer to school than to his parents' house. Okay. So he, I guess, like, hadn't made it as far as he thought he had. Okay. And so when he fell into this ditch, he really didn't know where he was, and he just gave them the wrong town name. But that is where he was because his car was found close by off of State Highway 68. Okay. When the car was found, it was not seriously damaged, but it was stuck at the top of an incline at the end of the road, making it to where his tires did not touch the ground, which is why he wasn't able to move the car. They were just kind of spinning in the air. Mm -hmm. 
Brandon's father reported that when they were on the phone, Brandon mentioned being near water because he could hear it running. So searches began in the river near where his car was found. They were thinking like the, oh shit, must have been like he was falling in a river. But they never found any trace of him. Mm. So, do you think there is any way these cases are linked to Bryce? I mean, do I think that, like, one person, there's, like, a serial killer Mm -hmm. that's taking men from their cars uh, from Minnesota to California? Minnesota, California, Texas, and Arizona. Yeah, no, I don't. Um, But do I think that this is possibly, like, a phenomenon? Mm -hmm. Maybe. Because I am pretty well versed in the Daniel Robinson case. Mm-hmm. I think the Bryce case and Daniel's case, there are just are so many external facts, like, mm-hmm. so, well, I guess internal. For sure. But, like, so many factors from, like, who they are and what they were going through mm-hmm. that, like, make me think it wasn't someone else. Yeah. But I don't know. That is yeah. interesting. I, I would never say never. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got Israel Keys is in the world. Mm-hmm. They do travel yeah. across state lines and do the same thing. Uh, or do different things. Yeah, but you'd have to be right where cars are crashing. Yeah. All the time. I don't think that all four are linked. Yeah. I think it's possible that Jason and Daniel's cases are linked. Okay. But I think that Brandon and Bryce's cases just happen to be very similar. You think that one another? because of the clothes, you think that? Yes. Okay. But maybe when you tell me about Daniel, I'll change my mind. Um, but I don't think that these are an indicator of what may have happened to Bryce. I really don't know what I think happened to Bryce. I think probably the most likely thing is that he either started a new life or ended his life but just somewhere else yes but i i really don't know so i mean they're all my theories what's the likelihood that he is in that lake like they didn't drain the lake yeah Yeah, divers went in and checked i mean very shortly after it happened i also don't know if this is a lake that drains into something a bigger body of water because yeah. like i mean we've heard cases where like somebody dumps a body in new york and they find them in like new jersey or michigan like mm-hmm. you know like they water moves and travels mm-hmm. so it's definitely possible that like he was in the lake and floated elsewhere or that he's at the bottom of the lake and they just haven't dove far enough down or in the right place i really don't know but I don't know. Yeah. That's, like, the main thing. People are like, no, there's no way he's out there because they didn't find him. Yeah. If Bryce is still alive today, he would be 29 years old. I'm going to tell you about all of these four men that we've talked about so that you can, you know, be on the lookout. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time of his disappearance, he was 5 foot 11 inches tall with blue eyes and red hair. He was 170 pounds and was last seen wearing white cargo shorts a blue and white checkered shirt, and white and red Nike shoes. Bryce has a tattoo on his left shoulder of a Taurus bullhead. Okay. If you think you know anything about Bryce's disappearance or current whereabouts, please call 949-292-4400. 
Jason Landry would be 24 years old now. At the time of his disappearance, he had brown hair and brown eyes, weighed 170 pounds, and stood at 6 foot 1 inch tall. He has an identifiable scar on his ankle. If you have any information, please call 512-936-0742. Brandon Swanson would be 34 years old today. At the time of his disappearance, he was 120 pounds and was 5 foot 6 inches tall. He has brown hair and blue eyes. He was last seen wearing blue jeans and a t-shirt with piercings in both of his ears. If you know anything about Brandon's disappearance, please call the Lyon County Sheriff's Department at 507-537-7666. Daniel Robinson is the only one of these missing young men who is African American. Today, he would be 26 years old. At the time of his disappearance, Daniel had black hair and brown eyes, weighed 165 pounds, and was 5 feet 8 inches tall. Daniel is missing his right forearm and hand, which is a pretty identifiable trait. If you see anything relevant to Daniel's disappearance, please call Daniel's family tip line at 803-200-7994. My sources for this case were um, the Crime Junkie episode about Bryceless Pizza and about the three men missing from their cars. Morbid episode about Bryceless Pizza, a disappeared episode called Road to Nowhere, a cinemaholic article by Sonak Sengupta, an all that's interesting article by John Kurowski, um, an uncovered timeline, a medium article by AVN, um, the Reddit thread about the person who said they knew Bryce, the Brandon Swanson Wikipedia the Daniel Robinson Wikipedia, and a KHOW11 article from Houston, Texas. All right. Thanks, Mary, for that one. Yeah. Um, Thanks for listening. Yeah. We don't know what's coming next Friday, so you'll have to come back to find out. Yay. Bye. Bye.